Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Let me pray, and we'll jump in tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you that we get to be here, that we get to gather, that we uh, get to come and to really worship you. I pray tonight as we jump into Psalm 122, um, would you give us clarity of mind and in our heart as you speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you speak very clearly I pray that you would be with me as I talk, would everything I say that is not of your word be forgotten, and everything that is be remembered. I pray that tonight we would leave with a deeper and greater understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name, amen. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Uh, Turn to Psalm 122. Um, As we've been working through this, um, if you're new to the Bible, just Open it up right in the middle just like this, and chances are you will get there. Psalm 122. And we are in this series uh, of the Psalms of Ascent, and we've been talking about really uh, what it means or, or how, how to cope. And um, using the idea, of, if you're, it's your first time here, really using the idea of when bad things happen in your life or really just not necessarily bad things, but stressful things, how you respond to them are really, really important. If you've been kind of following along here, and the Bible is going to give us some instruction on how to cope in a healthy way or a biblical way. And so tonight is our third, um, third, third, third sermon of the series. It's supposed to only go eight, but we might go a few more and so I have this, these crates up here to kind of illustrate um, really what I've said every week. And I didn't even know this challenge was coming out, so this is perfect. Um, we've said, or I've told you, that really the Psalms of Ascent are important biblically and historically because if you go to Jerusalem today, you can see ruins of the temple, and there are 14 steps that will go up uh, to the temple, and as people would approach the presence of God. And these psalms are written as reflective and truly to prepare your heart as you approach God, in a sense. In the Old Testament, God did not reside within us, but really at a location or really geographically. So they would come to Jerusalem to worship three times a year. And when the Jewish people would come, they would prepare their hearts, their minds. It would take weeks to travel. They would get there. In the Psalms of Ascent, it it has 14 stairs that are going up. They would take one of the steps. Some of you are getting super excited. They would take one of the steps, and they would just quote Psalm 120. What's the, someone shout out the first verse in Psalm 120. Just go ahead and read it. In my, so they would quote it. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Can you imagine, just think about this for a second. Can you imagine memorizing all 14 psalms? That's a task. I mean, John 3.16, we're like, for, for God, right? right? So just think about it. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. You take the next step, Psalm 121. Someone else, shout out the first verse in Psalm 121. 
I lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? We talked last week. Should I take the next step? Oh, no, I'm nervous. Okay, so I'm a little nervous. Woo! Okay, Psalm 122. Someone read the first verse. I was glad when they said to me, so they would quote these. Should I take the next one? Yeah. <laughs> You'll ha- Here, let's, hold on. Tonight, what psalm are we going to cover? So next week will be the next one, Psalm 123. And then after that, and, and, and hopefully, um, whoever's teaching next week will be able to go up the next one, and we'll have five, six, seven, maybe we'll go to 14. That'll just keep you coming back week after week after week. So, in reality, these psalms are very, very important. Um, The guy who wrote the book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, he said this phrase or this quote, if you'd pull it up for me, the first slide, God stands, stoops, and stays as reflecting on these psalms. God stands, meaning he is strong enough to handle any of your burdens. There is strength that comes with God. He stoops, meaning he comes down. He's humble. That God comes at your level. He doesn't just stand over you and yell, but he comes down. He stoops. He's humble. And man, this last one, he stays. God is patient. God waits for you. He's not rushed. He's not hurried. He stays long enough. As I talked with a gentleman today, he is fine that you are a work in progress. He's fine that you come as you are. But the sweet thing about God is he loves you so much, he won't let you stay as you are. That he changes us. God stands, stoops, and stays. Coping in unhealthy ways for a long period of time. I've said this The reason I'm telling you this is I've said this over and over and over again. A lot of you think I'm stupid and nuts in the Bible. You'll figure it out the hard way. If you decide to cope in an unhealthy way early on in life, accidentally even, before you know it, you will have created bad habits over a long period of time. And next thing you know, you feel like, man, I don't know how to get out of this well. And the good news is what? God stands, stoops, and stays. That really, as people who represent God in our world and to other people, we don't offer any wisdom or insight or um, really even our experiences. We're just able to say, hey, I too am what? A beggar telling you where I normally get bread. Just telling you where to get it. I'm I'm just going to tell you, this is what I do and it's worked for me every single time. That's all we're doing as Christians. I tell you that story and I tell you these stories because all of us, are walking through different aspects of life. You might be learning to cope with something very small. It might be something so tiny. We've talked about work. We've talked about your phone. We've talked about you know weird stuff, if it's music or Netflix or just whatever, that you just decide to cope in a way that isn't necessarily wrong, but you just it doesn't take you to God. That can be a, a, a good thing or a okay thing that turns into a bad thing. And then there's the side where it's, man, there are some life-altering things that come your way. And then you have to be confronted with, man, what am I going to do? How will I, or am I preparing myself for when life 
throws itself at me in the face, and I don't know what to do. Will I have the roots in God and in his word to be able to withstand this kind of pressure? And we've said every single week, the goal of this series is to build in all of us resilience. The, the ability to maintain and work through all of life's, life's pressures. That you wouldn't feel the need to escape, withdraw, numb, or run from anything. That you'd be able to sit in it and really just allow God to pull out all of the nasty stuff that's in your heart. Because uh, quite a bit is there. So, um, I got to jump uh, to this passage here. So, Psalm 122 Verse 1, the question, really three questions I'm going to ask tonight. The first one is this, what makes you happy? He says this, I was glad. This is the only psalm of ascent that is written by David. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, when you come to the house of the Lord, most of you, you would think of church. And for illustrative purposes or application, we'll just stick with that. Old Testament, God, they had to come to the temple. New Testament, God resides in us and within us. You don't have to go to a building to worship God, but if you want to worship God with others, you need to go somewhere where they are, if that makes sense. So um, he says, I was glad. And the question you and I have to ask is this, what makes you glad? It's kind of a weird way to phrase it. The, the, the other word for this could be used, what, help, what do you delight in? What do you delight in? Because this is true for every single one of us. And you do this unknowingly and accidentally, but it's not always a bad thing. Whatever brings you delight when you are sad, you will find yourself going there repeatedly. Whenever you get depressed you'll naturally run to the thing that makes you happy or glad. If that's a place, if that's the gym, if that's somewhere you eat, if that's a place you work, if that's wherever, wherever it is, you'll become real sad and you'll say, I need to go blank. You fill it in. I need to go talk to this person. So uh, for some of you, do you become glad or are you glad or are you able to delight when you go to the house of the Lord? Here's the other word I underline. I was glad when they, whoever they are, it doesn't tell us. The principle of this is David has people in his life that will tell him, we need to go to the house of the Lord. So this psalm, this entire psalm is truly about when you come to worship, when you come to church, when you come to gather. And the question you need to ask yourself is this. And some of you might blame me for this, you might blame Ethan for this, the pastor, the worship, the the location, the lights, the food. Are you glad when you come? And who is responsible for making you glad? When you come, either on Wednesday night or your small group or Sunday morning, are you encouraged, are you energized, are you challenged when you come? And do you have people in your life who will say, hey, Something's going on in your life. Let's go talk to God. Let's go see what God says. Let's go see what he has to say about this situation. Because sometimes you won't have the ability to make that decision or the discipline to make it. Something bad will happen in your life and you'll withdraw. 
instead of pressing in or, or coming. What makes you happy? He says, let us go to the house of the Lord. And here is something, I'm not going to beat this drum tonight, and I've told myself I'll stay super short on this. When you come to church or when you come to the house of the Lord, you should receive God's word. You should be happy because what you are doing is making God happy, not because what is said does not have to do with God. Does that make sense? So when you come, you should be encouraged. You should really be built up. You should be challenged. You should be, I mean, right, it should make you feel good in a sense because what you are doing is pleasing God. You should come and not because what they are saying is simply approving of everything you are doing. If you come to church and everything you hear is like, man, I do everything amazing. Oh my gosh, my mom was right. I'm the best. Like if you, if you sit in sermons or messages and nothing ever causes you to check in your spirit, to, uh, to, to, if, if nothing ever causes that, you might not be going to the house of the Lord. You might just be going to your worship house, just the one that worships you. It might just be, you're glad because, man, they, they just worship me. That's all it was about. It wasn't about God or what he's done for us. It's just, just about me, the house of the Lord. So what makes you happy? And if you are the only person who makes you happy, then God can't make you happy or glad or delight because it says this in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who meditates on the law day and night. He delights himself in the law of the Lord. He's glad. She's glad. When they hear God's word, it brings delight and gladness. I don't want to stay on this super long, but I just want to be very clear. David says, I was glad. They said to me, they pulled me there to the house of the Lord. Number two, what direction are your feet facing? Verse two, our feet have been standing, so he's standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Verse 3, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up and the tribes of the Lord. Okay, let me just pause here for a second. Like I said, Jerusalem is a place they would come to worship. It's like a worship center. When they are struggling, they come to be ministered to. It was three times a year they would come. He is saying, and he's referring to the presence of God. It's firmly fixed. The tribes of the Lord, for some of you Bible nerds, you'll enjoy this. There's 12 of them. Right, You have Asher, Dan, Naphtali, Ephraim, Manasseh, on and on and on. I'm going to do a series on Manasseh soon. Don't worry. I know there's four more, seven more. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they're there. Um, and they're coming. You have the people of God coming. And this is what he says. They're coming, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed. I should have highlighted decreed uh, for Israel because a decree is something that is declared on what you have to do. You don't have a choice. It's an impingement on your, on your rights, right? Yeah, we're not going to, some of you are smiling. You're like, yell at it, get them. Uh, no, this is God giving a law of what the people of God have to do, not because God is uh, trying to tell us something bad, but because we're right here. We're right here. We're, this is decreed, he says. So when you come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, so sometimes when you come to the house of the Lord, you come for a few reasons. Some of you come to church 
And I, I talked to one guy, and he said he gets so, the last time he went to church, he never went back, he said, because the pastor was like, you're just a CEO. And I was like, what's that, man? He was like, Christmas and Easter only, or Christmas, Easter only. And I was like, I think that's fire, man. I'm glad you came. I was like, I was like, I was like I'm trying to start a ministry CEO. But anyway, um, he, he just said, he, he got upset about it. Because sometimes people will say, well, if you're only coming for bad reasons, you should never come. And I would say on the contrary, at least you're coming. But if you're going to come, ask yourself the question, do I come because I'm looking for a significant other? That's my primary reason. If it happens, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. But if it doesn't, uh, you know, that, is that a reason? Do I come? Because it's just in my routine. That's a good reason, but probably shouldn't be the reason. Do I come because, man, God has just been really blessing me a lot right now in life, and I don't wanna I don't wanna mess things up. So it's kind of like karma. It's kind of like karma. Just got a new job, I'm getting a lot of money. Maybe I'll give a little bit. It's I, I don't wanna mess things up. He said, it's decreed to give thanks to the name of the Lord. The seven names and the name or Yahweh. Here's what is important. When you come, regardless of your circumstances or situations, you should be able to give thanks to God. It should be a part of what we do. It should be a part of what we sing. Regardless of what you're going through, how stressed out you are, how tired we are, how run down we are, how worried we are, how anxious we are, we should be able to give thanks to the name of the Lord because we are only, only standing on our feet because he has allowed us to. That's it. We don't have the ability to stand. We don't have the ability to be in the presence of God unless he gives us the strength to do so. Pull up Matthew 23, and this one's just for fun. Jesus says this, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So the same kind of idea, or the same location, really. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. But you were not what? Oh, that's all right. You were not willing See, your house is left to you desolate. Some of you guys are willing. You hate that verse in the Bible. You're like, it's not there, really. Uh, it's, you weren't willing. He said, Jesus said, I come to gather you. I come to bring you together. And all you did was stone the prophets and killed those who were sent by God, and you just weren't willing. And I want to be very clear how I say this, but it needs to be said. So when you accept Christ into your heart, He's fixed, he's sealed, he, he's not going anywhere. He's locked in. But some of you would know of some seasons where you have kind of stiff-armed God in your relationship with him. You have, in a sense, pushed God away and the presence of God away. And, and, and you would know, you, you've, you've accepted Christ, but man, you, you haven't, you don't feel any, you don't feel like God is, is anywhere in your life. And it's not because God's not willing. In the same way Jesus says in this verse, I come to gather you around Jerusalem by the presence of God to bring the Messiah, but you were not willing. It was the choice that you made to stiff-arm God, 
when he came to gather, when he came to pull together? Which direction, the question is, are your feet facing? It's in Ecclesiastes 5. This is one of my favorite. Guard your steps, so protect, watch. Proverbs 4 says a ton about this. When you go to the house of God. I wish we could do a little quick study on house of God, but this isn't seminary, so we won't. But in uh, 1 Kings 3, it talks about the house of the Lord and how many steps and the direction, location, all these things. Guard them. Why should you guard them? How many of you, I don't do this, so this is, a, I'll say, how many of us, um, when you go to church, you really don't give it a second thought. You just showed up, pulled in, checked your phone, talking, sat down, started saying, next thing you know, you're talking to your buddy, you're doing this, you're texting, you're doing, you're just, you're distracted. We're not guarding our steps. I'm not preparing my heart to approach God. I'm just like, man, yeah, I'm doing this. Oh, that was fun. I like that one. That was good. That sermon sucked, man. I don't even know what he said, right? And then you, you, we come. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, a cuss word, right? Uh, you, you, don't, you don't guard. We don't guard. We flippantly come to the house of God. And this is why. He says, guard them. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. I mean, I don't even know what to say. You already know. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Some of us cope um, with complaining and blaming. That's how we cope. We'll, We'll cope by saying... They did this, she did that, he did this, this is their fault. Well, that's how we cope. It's a, it's a coping mechanism. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, says, sometimes you need to cope just by shutting your mouth. Anybody say amen? I thought I heard something. I, yeah, I thought I heard something. Um, uh, just, and, and why? Why is that important? Because God knows more than us. I wish I had a recording or like a playback of how many times I've said this at Thrive for almost three years. It's got to be over 100. Check, over 100. Give me a, give me a nod, o- over 100. God knows more than us. So when we come, we say, God, what do you have to say? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart. God is in heaven, you are on earth, so therefore shut your mouth and do what he says. Um, this, this next idea is we need to cope with thanksgiving and his presence. And, and, I, and I say this in all sincerity. It said at the end that is decreed that we would be thankful people. If you have nothing to thank God for, it's because you're not looking at God. You've come to just look at yourself. If you come here just to, to critique and blame and point, you haven't come to see God. You've come to just see yourself in your bad situation and, and critique it. We cope with thanksgiving. And we cope with his presence. And um, maybe we, we, we spend some time talking about the presence of God at some point in here in the near future. But God's presence is not necessarily a location But I think it's biblically supported, Old Testament, New Testament. There are some places that you do feel closer to God, amen? 
there are some places you just go. You ever just, you just go certain places and you say, man, God has ministered to me here. It's been always right here. There's some places, you'll, you'll catch me walking around the street in Akron. I'm not even kidding. You're like, is that dude, what's he doing out there? Bible out on top of a roof, just, uh, right? I mean, I'm, I'm serious. So there's some places you need to have memorials that you should have where you go and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the book. I'm going to ask you to speak to me. And, and you would sit and you would listen and you would cope with his presence through his word to you. God, I, I, I'm not glad at all when I, when I come to your presence. I'm not glad at all. I come to blame and point and critique. Would you save me from that, God? The question we've asked is, which direction are your feet facing? He says, their feet, their feet are in the gates of Jerusalem, firmly fixed. They have come to worship, and it is to worship God. Make no mistake about it. Which direction are your feet facing? And this last question um, is, where do you find peace? Where do you find peace? So, um, I'll just, I'll read it. <clears throat> there are thrones for, their, their thrones for judgment were set. You thought tonight was going to be all fluff, didn't you? So it, it will. Just wait till we get there. Um, judgment. All right? So he's, he's talking about some sweet stuff here, and then he's like, the judgment seats were set in, in the New Testament. I'll just, I'll use this chair for sake of illustration. Um, in, the, in the New Testament, really in the Old Testament, they would have what was called a bema seat. It's referred to quite a bit in the New Testament, where there was a place in the city that you, if you did something bad... You went to really a public court, and you would just sit, and they would all talk about you and the bad things you've done, and they would really lay out your rap sheet. Now, some of you have went to court recently. Some of you have been around the block, and you're like, it was terrible. There was like 10 people there. I can't imagine it. Now, imagine everybody coming. Imagine it being on the front line page. He says, the thrones of the judgment were set. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because all of us, every single one of us, has a judgment seat with our name on it. It says in Hebrews 9, it's appointed man once to die and then comes what? Judgment. That comes. But this is what's sweet. The thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem says that in the New Testament as well. You should be praying for our world. You should be praying for peace, specifically in Jerusalem. That's another sermon. May they be secure. Oh, this is going to be fun. Who love you. Some of you have no idea what I just read. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. This is so practical. For your brothers and companions' sake. This is why. This is why. I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is so, I mean, I should just underline the whole thing. He's saying, for the sake of his people. How many of you have, you have people here? You have some brothers, you have some sisters. Not just acquaintances, I'm saying people. People, they're your people, they're your tribe. He's saying, for their sake, I pray for peace and security. 
And here's what is important. How many of you, um, you own your own car? Raise your hand. You own your car. Okay, good. How many of you own a house? You have a house that you own? Okay, a few of us. Um, You have (laughs) what is called, um, you would already know this, you have what's called a title, right? A title to your car. You are entitled to the car, right? If someone comes up and tries to steal the tire off your car, you would say, this is what? Mine. It's entitled to it. My house. If you try to mess with my house, come in, you start acting the fool, I'm going to kick you out and say, this is my house. I'm entitled to it. Here's the problem. Here's the connection. You're entitled to some things in life. But when we live out of the state of entitlement and we try to connect entitlement with where we worship, it is impossible to make that connection. So you can't come to the house of God entitled. You can't. Because when we come entitled, we're unable to worship. Because we sit in the position of, this is mine. This isn't mine. None of this is mine. None of this is, is necessarily for me. It's for me to worship Worship God. I can't, they're, they're, inse- they're separable. They can't connect. So we bring our entitlement aspect, attitude, and we try to jam worship in there. And then what happens is we just end up riding our, our bikes and doing runs, listening to podcasts and pushing three songs that we like, our favorite worship songs, and we say we really connected with God's people. You, you can't. It's impossible. Trust me, I've done it. I've, I've done it. it. It's really hard. It'll feel, it, it'll make you... It just makes it, makes it really hard to worship God the way he's designed you to worship. just makes it impossible. So I'm going to talk about two things, and we'll wrap this up. Peace. The first one is peace. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained, also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Justified. God treating you just as if you have never done it. I talked about the judgment seat. All of us have a judgment seat with our name on it. When you accept Christ, he walks up to your judgment seat and he says, get up. He says, that's mine. He said, I'll sit there. I'll take the judgment that you were supposed to have. I want, I'm going to take your place. I'll take the judgment, and you can take the peace. It says in Hebrews 4, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When you come to God, you don't come fearing judgment. You come, and what do you get? Mercy and grace and peace. Every letter the Apostle Paul starts, what does he say? Grace, mercy, and peace to you. Because when you come to God, those are the three things you get. You get grace, mercy, and peace. And then it says, God is our refuge, Psalm 46, and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. When you cope with thanksgiving and his presence, you get help. You get help. God wants to help you. And one of my favorite Psalms, 84 or 8610, 84:10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather stand at the door and be a greeter and not go in than have home with the wicked. Dwell with the wicked. Why? Because even when you're at the door, you can still hear the praises of God and smell the aroma of God. That's what he's saying. He said, even at the door, it's better. Because at the door, I can catch a glimpse glimpse of God. There's peace. This is what he's hammering home. There's peace. And then this last idea is security. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, while people are saying there is peace and security. Are people saying that today? Hey, there's peace and security. People are shouting it. People are yelling it. Find peace in this. Find security in this. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. He's talking about the return of Christ. What's important is not that you try to nail down who the Antichrist is and try and guess who his name is. Do not guess. Do not, do not guess. Some of you are like, I got, don't guess. A biblical response, Jesus said multiple times, is not that you make guesses and predictions and timelines, but that you would be ready. You would be ready. And this is the security aspect. Pull up Luke chapter 2. Security is so important because every single person in the room craves it. You want it so bad. Security, something that's sure, the opposite is insecurity. All of us are insecure. I don't, I don't care your background. I don't care about where you came from. I don't care your parents. I don't care what jobs you had. I don't care. You're insecure in some way. You, some of you just don't know it yet. I just told you. I'm glad. It says in Luke 2... Referring to Jesus, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus found his security wherever God was. And at this time, it was in the temple in the presence of God. This is where I must be. This is where security is going to come for me. And then, um, Jonathan, I want to skip to Psalm 1611, and we're going to get ready to wrap things up here. Ethan, you can, you can head up. Um, it says in Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life, but in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. A lot of us look for our accomplishments or what we can do to find security. You feel better the more you do. If you have a good day, you feel good. It's, it's where you find security or assurance. It says in Matthew 8.20 that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus went through something that was more insecure or unsure for any of us, what we could imagine, Because he went through what we could not. And he does what God wants him to do. And for those of us looking for peace and security, it is only found in Christ. Only found in Christ. 
I wonder if someone was looking for me or looking for you, would you be able to respond and say, don't you know that I was probably with my father? Hey, we couldn't find Mike. He's, he's probably talking to God. They're probably going to God for something. Could someone say that? Am I, am I known for coping in such a way that that is the reputation or the attitude? And in your presence, you, may, or you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. That's when we come to God, we go under his word, and we sing praises to him, and God brings peace to us. So would you guys stand as I pray for us real quick as we get ready to worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you how it ministers to us. We thank you for the Psalms of Ascent. I pray that we would, we would be glad when we come to your house. When we come to the church house that is a pillar and foundation of truth. God, I ask that you would help us, and myself included, would we guard our steps even now as we come to sing and meditate and pray. God, I ask that you would give all of us in this room peace and security in Christ. That for some of us in this room, as it says in Psalm 4610, that we would find an ever-present help in time of trouble. That they would find help in grace. Not a seat of judgment, but a seat of mercy. Would those of us who need to come back to Christ, maybe in our attitude, in our mindset, in our living, would you help us to do that and believe the best about you? And even now as we get to sing, would we we shout and sing praises to you for all that you've done and for all that you're worth. We pray this in Jesus' name.